This week, we welcome Chris Morales, Chief Information Security Officer at NetEnrich, to discuss how digital transformation breaks risk management. In the leadership and communications section, the data your board actually wants to hear about when valuing cybersecurity investments, cybersecurity is a CFO issue, must-know insights when navigating the CISO career path, and more. Business Security Weekly starts now. This is a Security Weekly production for security professionals by security professionals. Please visit securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe to subscribe to all the shows on our network. Broadcasting live, it's the show where we explore the business of security to improve the security of business. Your trusted source for actionable insights on leadership, communication, and innovation. Get ready for Business Security Weekly. Two hundred and seventy. That's the average number of times a company comes under cyber attack each year. And the average cost of a successful data breach is four point three five million dollars. Cygnus ensures your internal and external teams are securely connected, confident, in control, and compliant during a cyber crisis. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash Cygnus to learn more. That's C-Y-G-N-V-S. If your organization is ready to embrace edge computing, we have good news. The 2023 AT&T Cybersecurity Insights Report provides everything you need to know to get started. In the report, we identify the common characteristics of edge computing. We found edge use cases are rapidly coming online, and we reveal how to secure edge computing. Most importantly, you'll learn how to prepare for your edge ecosystem. Get your complimentary copy of the report today by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash ATT Cybersecurity. That's securityweekly.com forward slash ATT cybersecurity. Welcome to Business Security Weekly. This is episode number 323, recorded October 9th, 2023. I am your host, Matt Alderman. Happy Columbus Day, which means Mr. Albuquerque's not here. And after the whooping the Patriots took yesterday, he's probably home licking his wounds. Uh, the Broncos looked no better yesterday, by the way. And Dak Prescott finally showed up and looked horrible as always. Uh, sorry, guys. We always do the little football thing with, with Jason. I had to <laughs> fill in since he was gone. Uh, joining me for this episode, however, is uh, my first co-host, Mr. Ben Carr. Welcome, Ben. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Uh, kid turned uh, 13 this weekend, so I'm, I'm stuck with all teenagers in the house now. Uh, so that's always a good time. And then, uh, yeah, rough weekend with everything going on in Israel. So yeah, thoughts are they're with everybody with uh, all the everything going on over there right now it's just uh, it's just rough i'm sure everybody uh you know being in the industry we know a lot of people from from israel so um yeah just thoughts are with you yeah crazy um filling in for mr albuquerque who probably has a little more insight to some of this mr josh marpet welcome josh absolute pleasure being here as always uh going to be a fun interview. I got to tell you that. I'm looking forward to this one. And um, as for Israel, as for Israel, yeah, it's um, it's not good. All right, folks, let's get into it. Security Weekly listeners, we are celebrating the milestone of reaching over 1,000 members of our CISO community. The Cybersecurity Collaboration Forum is a one-stop shop for executive collaboration comprised of CISOs across various industries. If you want to be part of this growing community of CISOs, join us as a member or a technology partner. To learn more, please visit securityweekly.com 
forward slash cybersecurity collaboration. As an industry leader, Chris Morales oversees Net Enrich's security vision and strategy as chief information security officer. He's well known and respected in security circles as an innovative leader and technical expert. Throughout his career, he has advised and designed incident response and threat management programs for some of the largest enterprises. Chris most recently led advisory services and security anal analytics at Vector AI. Chris, welcome to Business Security Weekly. Thank you. Glad to be here. And uh, same thoughts on the Israel. I've been trying to track that this week. Like, there's never any good out of that thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, war is not good anywhere. I mean, we've been dealing with Ukraine for well over a year now. This is another unsettling space. So, yeah, definitely um, thoughts with everyone uh, over over in Israel right now. But um, let's let's try to put a positive spin on, on this. Chris, when you and I did our, our prep call for this uh, interview, I wrote down one of the first things that came out of your, your mouth. The CISO job is broken, which is something we talk about a lot on this show. Uh, you want to start there? What do you mean wait, by the CISO wait, job wait. is broken? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It's not broken at all. It just depends on what you consider the job description. If you consider the job description one of security, yeah, it's broken. If you consider the job description what it is, which is designated scapegoat, it's totally fine. <laughs> you know what? Fair enough. Um, I, everybody, <laughs> it's a uh, fuse box job, isn't it? So yeah. something's got to break. That's you. There you go. So... You're right. I'll, I'll frame it in that context then. I don't want to get fired or go to jail or have criminal charges. So how do I do that? Is that fair? That's fair. Fair, but not not actually attainable most times. Like, yeah, <laughs> the fired part <laughs> yeah. seems to come up quite a bit when something goes down, even if it isn't your fault. Yeah, that's absolutely a problem. And um, let me throw in that context then. I don't want to go to jail for negligence or not knowing what happened or hearing that, um, or to be fired because when something goes wrong, somebody goes, how did that happen? Um, I'm gonna pick on MGM because that's what you always do, right? So I asked myself this massive question that how is it with, to their credit, they have good security people, they spend on it, they've got all these controls, I was able to make a phone call and take the whole company down for a week in every single system. Like who connected the elevator to the reservations, to the room key card, to the cash machines? Like who did that? Like how did that happen? And that to me is the universal question, like not picking on MGM because I think this is across the board. Like who's making decisions on what's allowed and what's not, not allowed on these online systems? Like, and where is risk management in the room? Like, that's the premise of it. Right, yeah, well, I can tell you who the makes challenge. the decision. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's, we know who makes the decision, right? The business makes the decision. The business says, hey, look, we can get a ton of efficiency, lower our costs, and get a lot of operational um, uh efficiencies here. We're going to connect all these systems together. We think that's a really, really great idea. The CISO's not in the room half the time. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, they're holding a ball of whatever from the business side going, well, wait a minute, why did we do that? I didn't know how to even put controls in place to protect against that. That's how this stuff starts to happen. 
That's exactly right. And that CISO not in the room, I blame us as a security industry. Like, has anybody noticed that security is the only person with a negative language in any business unit? Like, we go in talking about threats. We go in and say, this is bad and here's the problems. Uh, what I've noticed is when my CTO goes in and talks about risk, he talks about if I do this risk, your profits will quadruple. And that's very well probably the conversation they had that correlates to what you said. Yeah, I think it's oh. interesting, right? Oh, go ahead. So, Gosh. I mean, you're, you're 100% right. We are the only one that says no. We're the only one that says, you know, things are bad and horrible and they're just going to get worse. And ah, you know, we're like the evil, like Halloween's coming. We're, we're the evil witch, okay? But the, and, and the, the problem is, is that, and I, I think, Matt, how long have we been saying this for? How many decades now? If you don't learn to communicate with the business in a business language, you're going to be treated as an outsider. And we are. Uh, how many C-level people report to other C-level people? Okay, CISOs typically do. Uh, this is inappropriate, in my opinion. Uh, there, there, there's so many reasons and ways. I mean, we could talk about this for probably days. So I'll, I'll shut up there for a second. Go ahead. Yeah, but I, I just want to call out like that. I, I, I'm following the the train of thought, and I, I agree with it in general premise. But um, you know, look, I think legal talks in a negative way and uh, no we can't do that sometimes uh, definitely the cfo uh, you know i've been in the room when the cfo says no quite a bit um but at the end of the day for some reason they've transitioned into a different area than the ciso has and the ciso is still at the kids table not being given the latitude that they need to have the conversation and be part of the conversation i mean just being in the room to be part of it i, I can't tell you how many conversations i've had um, myself or with other, you know, other CISOs about, yeah, just can I sit in the room just to hear what's going on? How am I supposed to protect this entity if I don't have the full context of what's going on in the business? And I think that's the challenge, like just not even being part of the conversation. We we start off with a huge handicap that's almost impossible to to jump over. Well, I'm going to... Go ahead, I'm sorry. They have the money. I was going to say the CFO has an unfair advantage of having all the money. Yeah. So they can do what they want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they true. can talk about budget shutdowns, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. They and apparently Congress at this current juncture. Um, but, but I do want to talk about this from this perspective, because I remember when I was at RSA and we were working through some of the Archer messaging, we were talking about the flip side of risk being about opportunity. And so I guess, Chris, the question becomes like, how do we as security professionals flip the script from a negative risk conversation to a positive opportunity discussion? Yeah. So in, in, in addition to that conversation on that point, I also want to just to keep it on track of the original premise, I did say it's digital transformation broke risk management. And so the first state was that even under normal operating conditions, at least we kind of knew what was going on. Um, I'd say since digital transformation, which I get it, we know that that could be a fax machine, that could be a phone, or that could be the cloud. So I'm talking about the cloud in particular, as we did digital transformation and critical applications in the business actually said, we're going to go run AWS, Azure and GCP. Um, somehow, 
by not being in the room and by that happening, I think risk management completely fell apart. And I say that because let me take the most simple premise. Um, what's the best selling technology in security right now? EDR, is that right? It's the endpoint? Probably close enough. Yeah. How many endpoints are there in AWS? <laughs> Could be zero. Wow. <laughs> and how do people have access to that? Through You're abstracted right technologies. Now. They don't have access to it directly uh, console unless they're buying a specific form of AWS. They have, well, they, they have access through an abstracted system, if that makes sense. It does, but even more so, like, I think Zoom is on AWS. Somebody at Zoom can correct me. But I believe that what we're doing right now is using AWS. Probably. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. So well, I'm on Skype, so I'm using Azure, just, just for the record. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that does it. Multi-cloud, multi-cloud. <laughs> so the point of it is, is that it used to be, we built these whole processes. Every time I hear about, it's in the title. I don't like my title. It says Chief Information Security Officer. And I'm like, yeah. am I really securing information? Because the information is flowing freely because that's the whole design of business now. Where when I had to go to COVID really just accelerated. When I first went to a restaurant and they're like, we don't even have menus anymore. You got to pull out your phone and you got to scan a barcode. I was like, okay, the whole world's online now. So we're not thinking availability is what it comes down to. And if you think about information, it's not about protecting it. The information goes fast. I even propose that source code when that gets stolen, because you know Microsoft it gets stolen. It seems like every other month, and we don't talk about it. Like that's pretty dramatic. Somebody Microsoft's going to call me and say that's not true. I don't care. It's the fact is is it has gone different pieces. People lose stuff, and people lose personal information. We know that every retail has probably been hit. All of us have lost our personal information. And it's not a question if you've lost it or not, it's how many times. For me, I think I've counted four times that my information has been compromised. It makes me ask, is that what we're protecting? What are you really trying to do? Uh, and does the business care? Because that's not how it makes money because nobody's gone out of business. Everybody's stock increased. And um, the world hasn't ended. I mean, after Experian, when do we just get honest about it? So well, after OPM, Target, Experian, and everything else, everybody's everybody's identity. If you go on Have I Been Pwned and type in your, you know, one of your fifteen gazillion email addresses, and you're like, oh, I've, I'm only in seventy breaches. Oh my God, that's awesome. And you know, the the world says that that right now it doesn't matter. Uh, look at stock prices. Okay, I'm I'm going to do your thing for you. Forgive me for a second, yep. but yep. look at stock prices. Your target stock dipped by I think it was four points or four percent or something, and then it was up over pre-hack uh, members or pre-hack numbers within a few months. That's happening just about all the time. In other words, it doesn't affect your stock price. It doesn't affect your customer base. It doesn't affect reputation past let's say a few months or a year or two, which is recoverable. It is not destructive if you're a large enough company. If you're a small company, that may be. But a large enough company, they just they they don't have to care as much unless there's a regulatory authority that's going to come down on them with the hammer of God. Okay? So what are we doing as CISOs and as security professionals when we say no? We're actually impeding business to the detriment of our of our bonus at the end of the year and our raise at the end of the year. And in reality, what are we holding off? Does it really matter? And somebody's like going, you know, clutching their pearls and going, oh my God, he's he's not a security person. 
no, I'm a realist. And in business, security is massively secondary, if that. It, that's exactly it. And yeah, you nailed it. And it's, uh, that's the point, right? So what does matter today is availability. What matters is that somebody can get information, that information is available, and they can do something with it because the information is only valuable at the time of the transaction, and then it changes over time. And it, yeah, exactly that. If nothing's going wrong from losing information, why would they invite you to the room? Uh, when you never talk about availability and then things like ransomware happen, which is also an availability issue because that's literally the point of the ransom. So people are going down for not being available. Um, now you have to ask new questions. Why do we suck at that? Like, how is that still going on? And that's not something that we're addressing properly. Oh, do you want an answer? Because we're focused on confidentiality and integrity, maybe, Josh? No, because we can't quantify <laughs> the shit out of our own business. Because when the That's business right. leader goes, okay, tell me the possibility that this is going to happen to us this year or this quarter or this month or this week. And we go, uh, you know, when it comes to ransomware, we go, you're probably going to get whacked this year. Okay. Or somebody's going to attempt it at the very least. And, and, but our phishing scores are way down on our tests. Yeah. Give me a freaking break. It all takes us one. And, 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 you know, they're not going to pay a million dollars to somebody to install ransomware inside of our business. Uh, uh, you know, pro tip, they will, it's already been tried. Um, and, and we suck at explaining that this is not a matter of if, but when, and it's, and it, we, we suck at doing risk quantification. We suck at actually understanding risk at a level where we can do it on a continuous basis. Sorry, you're going where I live. I've been working on a risk quantification standard for a while now. Um, we suck at quantifying risk on a continuous basis to explain that this change that you made in the code just exposed us to $20 million worth of risk. Period. End of story. No, I um, we should talk after because that's 100% the right answer to me. I think we haven't operationalized it and quantified. It is a risk quantification. I tell people that what we do today is basically shamanistic practices. It's equivalent to we're throwing bones on the ground and saying this is something that you should care about. Uh, that's how I look. Entire security operations, 90% toil. Like they're, they're, so let me phrase it. The job of security operations shouldn't exist the way it does today. That should be greatly reduced. And we should be pivoting to using higher level skill sets. And that's sadly the same people. We're giving people with advanced degrees crappy jobs and ruining their lives. That's almost how I feel. Um, <laughs> detection yeah, I, engineer, that's a, that, stuff that's a very succinct way to put that and, and accurate at the same time. I, I, I would, so I, I agree with both Chris and Josh and Chris, I want to go back to something you, you said is earlier, I, I believe, you know, if, if we tie this together, why can't we pull this all together, right? Why are we unable to do that? Why are we, is availability something that we can't get to? And, you know, Josh, you missed, you, you, you referenced risk quantification. And I think if you look at those two things, like that requires a fundamental understanding of like what you have. I don't want to go back to asset management, but in a way it's, it's relevant to that. And you mentioned, uh, Chris, this whole, this spread of the business taking over and saying, well, I'm going to take this to the cloud and I'm going to, I'm going to deliver this. Right. And there was a legacy way of doing it, which it was responsible for all of the, the digital assets. And they delivered that and they, they had a, they had a passing sense. I mean, asset management has always been a problem, but they had a passing sense of what they had that made up the 
estate, if you will, the real estate of the IT footprint. This is equivalent to going into a big box retail store and asking the loss prevention guy, like, what's our loss quantification here? How, how do we know how much you know, shrinkage we're going to have? And he goes, geez, I don't even have an inventory of what's on the shelves. I don't know. We don't, do, we don't go around the barcode scanner and actually inventory anything. We don't know what's out there. And so uh, some guy just decided to stand up a new section of home goods in the, in the store. And we don't sell home goods. Like, that's, that's the core of the problem where this genesis happens. And then everything else is a, a layer on top, right? That compounds the problem and makes it worse. Like very large companies that you would think really understand what they have in their footprint. They don't. Dude, yeah, I disagree. You. I could kiss you. No, no, you're a hundred percent right. And the, the, you know, look at Walmart; they have inventory scanners, they have barcode scanners. They know how yeah. much shrinkage they have. Okay, mm. uh, and, but and they they're don't closing know how many stores because they have. They don't, but well, and that's the thing. And by the way, they don't have shadow IT on the sales floor of Walmart because they yeah. lock down every damn thing that you can use on the sales floor of Walmart as an employee. We have shadow. We don't only we, that. Nah, we not only have shadow IT in the corporate world. We're starting to do something I'm calling shadow AI. When people are using personal devices to do AI work to get around yeah. the lockdowns they're having on Chat GPT and all of the other generative AIs. So we're we're seeing shadow work everywhere. Well, and if you take this just a step further and think about what's going on in the real world right now, like, you know, you go into a Home Depot, you can't buy a, a 10 foot piece of Romex without getting a guy to unlock the case. Yet we see a breach happening and we tell people something needs to be done because it's rampant in the industry and people tell us, get out of our way. We're trying to do business here. So it's yeah, strange. Chris, you were going to say something. Yeah. Go down to the people thing. So how many jobs are available for threat detection? versus how many jobs in security are available for an asset manager? Or I'll go further. How many people have actually seen an asset manager on a security team as a job? There aren't. It's it's given to the yeah. IT team or some you know intern, you know, some schlub, poor bastard who's like, all right, find out all and now there's a Gartner category for it, C A A S M, Cyber uh, Cyber Asset yeah. Attack Service Management. And uh, you know, Axonius and Jupiter One and Run Zero are in there along with a few others. And uh, I just answered a poll on that the other day. And uh, so there are companies that are actually coming out with products that you can buy right now to solve that problem. <laughs> but the, the problem is, is like, uh, how do you tell which assets are internet facing, which assets are internal only facing? How do you tell which assets are being used for what? How do you tell you need API instrumentation? You need uh, server instrumentation or, or container implement in instrumentation. You need to instrument so many different things. And... Uh, most security teams and IT teams are of the, 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 their problem is very simple. They're up to their ass and alligators. And it's really hard to think about draining the swamp when you're up to your ass and alligators. And, but, and even if you, you know get what, that information, so? then how do you instrument the value in Bing. a complex yeah. system with the interconnections, right? So then you, you can't tell risk without value. So, I mean, those are the two things that are massively broken and have been broken for a long time. Okay, in the ben, we've got a guest. We should actually let him talk once in a while. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I, this is way better. I, I love it that you guys are. It's like, this is all 100% what I think about. It actually helps me. So, it's no, I like it. Um, I have Jupiter One, by the way. It's uh, And let me tell you what, uh, Gartner's breaking it by calling asset management a group as opposed to a function. I think every security tool is going to have to do asset management to work. It's not, you can't buy an asset management tool. You have to have a value function and, and it has asset management as the basis of the tool. Uh, an example is 
I'm not going to try to plug them, but I will. But Jupiter One, I bought for GRC, and I'm doing security policy as code. That's the problem they solve for me, and it's really good at it. I have four other tools that are asset centric to do other jobs as well. Um, everything has to think that way, and they do all connect. But I realize that trying to understand that problem changes for every use case. Some tools might do more than one. But I don't think there is some catch-all. Here's an asset tool, then here's another one, and they plug. I think we have too many damn tools to begin with, so I'll leave that oh, one man. too. Uh, yeah, have you seen, by the way, have you seen the cyber defense matrix? Yeah, cyber Sunil's defense work. matrix. Yes, yeah, Anil use work. He's actually at Jupiter One, if I remember correctly, and yeah, he, um, he he wrote cyber defense matrix. The first box in the damn thing is detect applications and data and and and, and all the different types of things that you have. Uh, look at cyberdefensematrix.com, I think it is. Really, really good stuff. Although some of the links are broken now. Hey, Sunil, um, fix it, okay, man? And um, <laughs> it, it's a, he said, look, you have to do this cybersecurity framework, detect, uh, defend, respond, recover, blah, 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 against uh, data, applications, people, users, etc. And so you need to detect all of your data. You need to detect all of your applications. You need to detect all of your users. Effectively, asset management. And uh, you, you have to do all of the categories for all of the categories. So it's a matrix. That's why they call it the cyber defense matrix. I know, crazy. So, but, so Chris, uh, why is ahead, the spread there? Why, no, no, I was just, just going to, like, in what you're saying, and uh, getting back to kind of the, the core fundamental issue here, and we talked about kind of the spread. Chris, I'm wondering why, why is this acceptable in, in security and IT, but it's not acceptable in any other part of the org? Like, how would it be if, as the CISO, I said, hey, I'm just going to go hire some shadow staff, but I'm not going to involve HR. Like, don't don't ask about it. Not going to handle any of the HR policies. Just going to just going to do that. Oh, and I'm going to I'm going to open up a bank account and we're going to store money over in the here. We're not going to talk to the CFO. Why is it acceptable in the other areas of the business? It, but it's not acceptable for us. Like, I, I don't I don't understand that. Well, that's because they transformed to the reality of now and security didn't it is that's why it's broken the reality is is that the iphone happened um personal consumerization happened SaaS happened all these things culturally happened and uh it's kind of like you know what it's exactly like when napster happened yeah i'll go back that far uh Nat, people started downloading music and <laughs> The reaction of Sony and everybody else in the music industry was to sue a bunch of little girls and boys for downloading music when all that was happening is digital transformation of the way people want to consume music, which is literally the entire music business today. Uh, the early impetus was sue them as opposed to enable them. And we don't have that problem in the same way as before. Now they figured it out that this is a business model is the problem with security is that we even call it security. It's just risk advisory. Um, we advise risk. We don't actually tell them what to do. The business units have the risk. They simply need advice that when they take these risks, what does it mean? How does it help them? What is not going on? And we need to be more positive about it. So hmm. that's to me, it's like, it doesn't matter what the business units do. We can't ask them to do what we want. We need to adapt and know what they do and they get sass and you know i had this problem internally our um our hr went and got some app that did something and i only noticed it because it sent out to me and it has a chat bot in it 
And the minute I got that chat bot on like a message I had, I stopped and I started to do a deep inquiry and ask him questions. And um, we, we asked him, instead of saying, you can't do that, I said, we'd like to come in and help manage it for you and assess it and let's make sure everything's good. And they said yes to that. Because what I didn't do is say, you're totally wrong, you can't do this. Um, because it's already happening, so it doesn't matter, so what's the point, right? So we're not, as a industry, we haven't caught up to the speed of business. We're not aligned at all. We're doing things the way we think, like you could, so risk management, what do we do? Business impact analysis yearly. We do some SOC audits yearly, like every year, we're trying to figure out what our risk is, but in dev and everybody else, they're buying SaaS on their credit card in a department instantly. Uh, people are spinning up and spinning down servers in real time. Like, does somebody know how many backup copies there is of every image of every Kubernetes that's in their AWS? Is it five? Is it 10? Do you know it has the same data on it? Like, we're not real time is what it comes down to. It's, I proposed a concept of operational risk management so i know that's kind of a thing but they took it for fraud prevention but um so i don't know the right words i'm not good at naming things but we need like an adaptive risk management that's like real-time operational analytics that is using quantitative risk analysis versus just a qualitative human approach and that's why all socks are broken people can't make those decisions oh i really want to like, okay, um, so the problem is you're talking about the fact that we can do this with enough Monte Carlo simulations and scenarios, mm -hmm. but we can only do it on a static basis. Doing it on a dynamic basis so that we can do dynamic risk pricing, uh, trademark, just kidding, I haven't trademarked it, but it's my damn term, um, <laughs> is uh, something that is still at this moment impossible unless you want to run a fair institute calculation on a constant basis. And the problem with that is understanding the changes that go on in an organization are almost impossible to keep track of on a regular basis. Unless you have an extremely mature change control system and schema and ticketing system and everything else, you're just not going to do it. So you need to have asset management. You need to have inventory, uh, sorry, information inventory management. You need to have change mm -hmm. management before you can even start to do risk quantification. And then when you try to do continuous risk quantification, that is a whole order of magnitude more difficult to understand what risks you're bringing in, leaving residual, whatever. And uh, like, it's not easy. And then bringing that now, by the way, I, I do think that cyber insurance will be going that way over the next few years. Because if all of a sudden you stick in any, any rule in your firewall, your cyber insurance should go up by about 5000%. Okay, let's be clear. But if you don't do that, then your cyber insurance should be fine. As soon as it comes out, the cyber insurance comes down. But how does somebody keep track of all that and give you a quantification on all the various categories of your risk without being fairly damn intrusive? Yes. Yes to all Sorry. of it. Sorry. Uh, this is fun for me. No, it's fun. It's, uh, I, I think, honestly, I think a lot of people get stuck in what's in front of them and it's a lot easier and, uh, there's too much of the, I just want to make sure it wasn't my fault and I'm not accountable, as opposed to just being accountable. Well, it, it's very clear that, that the, the responsibility and the, the accountability uh, really doesn't lie with the CISO right now. I, I mean, what you guys have just described is a combination of an asset management system with a continuous controls monitoring capability that does risk quantification that all comes together to solve this problem. It, and these are three areas we have 
suck that is an <laughs> well said well said right because oh no we're really good at endpoint detection response and sim and soar and all the but the things we just described are the things we talk about like every week on the show that we have not done well so information security is adhd personified we can deal with the thing in front of us right now but we can't plan we can't enable we can't do things longer term we are so so information security is uh, on the spectrum as an industry effectively well what you i even heard chris yeah What's chris that? i even heard you say it's it's not about information it's about availability it's it's yep. the chief availability officer and, and that role probably sits with the cio or the cto like does a CISO role even need to exist? I think you actually said that. Like, if it is about availability, and then it's about uptime and resilience, and and that may be a completely different role than a CISO. You know, so that's an incredibly good question. What I said a second ago is uh, you didn't trademark the ADHD is security thing, so I, I can use it, right? Because you didn't. Sure, go for it, man. Go Just attribute it, okay? Just attribute it. Okay. So, um, I think what's happening is the CIO is becoming the CEO because business is becoming digital. Yep. Uh, the CTO is becoming the CISO because he's the only one who could actually do anything anyway. And the CISO has an opportunity to be the CIO. And I say opportunity because it needs to be the CIO, which is the asset problem. And they need to start thinking about secure practices and process as opposed to security technology. It's like, let's build if the CIO is deciding here's the future of the business because it's all making those big technology risks, like we're going to bet on this, the CISO has to think, great, we're going to do that. And I'm going to, uh, here's uh, the approach to do it that manages our risk properly. And the CTO is the one who's actually going to react to security in the end anyway. So if we do it right, that's what happens. It's a shift. I agree and disagree. And I'm going to tell you why. And the, the real reason <laughs> is because right now the CISO is not making the choices. The reason you have a C in your name is you're an officer of the company, your chief blah, blah, blah officer. Okay. Uh, and the CISO does not make the choices done uh, right now. This is not your, your, your potential where we're moving to, but right now a CISO's job done properly is to present options to the leadership of the company and they make the choice. Okay. Which is why right now I don't think a CISO should have a C in their title. I know it's just horrible and everybody's going to hate me, but considering that CISOs typically do not report to the CEO and they typically do not make choices for the company, they present options. They should be a director level or a, or a EVP, EVP or, level know, depends or, or whatever. Yep. What's that? I, and I do say they need to be. I agree with you. Like, it, that's what should happen. Uh, I do report to the CEO, by the way. That was one of my requirements to even do the job. Bravo. The CEO and I are – so I collaborate with the CTO on everything, and that's also what makes it work. I've actually, when I started, what I did is I split shared duties with the CTO and VP of engineering and simply said, you have to help manage this. And I made them accountable with me and we solve everything in that way directly. To you the know, CEO. racy charts, don't you? Do you know how many security people don't know racy charts? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> no, I do. That was do you know how many thing. business people don't know racy charts? <laughs> don't get me started. I, we're going to have a whole segment now on racy charts, gentlemen. Because <laughs> that, that I, I, it's going to have to be a say easy, do hard segment somewhere in the future. Because yeah. yeah. I'm there. <laughs> I agree with you. Chris, like, I, I do like the premise, though, right? Is the CISO role has to evolve. 
I think you laid out a really interesting path for the CISO and how we address availability through the CTO role. Um, we're a little over, so I want to respect time. But th Chris, thank you so much for joining us on Business Security Weekly. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed this more. It's nice to uh, hear other people already have strong opinions on it, and I'm not crazy. Or maybe I am, and you guys are too. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's that's probably more likely. <laughs> We've been working for Security Weekly for a while, so we're all probably a little crazy somewhere. But thank you again. I uh, we're going to take a quick break and then cover the leadership and communications articles for this week. According to the 2022 Data Breach Investigations Report, the human remains the number one driver of breaches today, demonstrating that cybersecurity is no longer just a technical challenge, but a human one as well. But how do you manage the human risks of cybersecurity? It starts with measurement. Only by effectively quantifying human risk can organizations engage employees with relevant activities to truly change human behavior. That's human risk management. Map key human behaviors to the business risks that matter most to your organization for free by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash living security. Application Security Weekly delivers interviews and news from the worlds of AppSec, DevOps, and all the other ways people find and fix software flaws. Join us as we explore how the latest news highlights modern security practices or reminds us of the missing ones. We also bring insights from interviews on topics from training to threat model, from open source tools to cloud native techniques, plus an occasional reference from new wave to synth wave. Find us at securityweekly.com slash subscribe or look for application security weekly wherever you pick your podcasts. Welcome back to Business Security Weekly. I am your host, Matt Alderman, joined by Ben Carr and Josh Marpet. Follow us on LinkedIn for updates across our organization, show highlights, and more. You can find us by searching for Security Weekly Productions. All right, gentlemen, we went a little over on the first segment, but we had such a good discussion. I, I, I wanted it to go a little longer. And these articles are going to reinforce some of that conversation. So article number one, the seven questions boards, board members want answers to. Uh, it, I, I think we almost covered all these on the last segment, by the way. Um, <laughs> some of them, but probably a, a little deeper than others. <laughs> yeah, look, I... Uh... I think if you're trying to answer seven questions for the board, you're missing out. But yeah, I guess at the core, this does get to it. And we did talk through a lot of these. I mean, I think the, the board's really interested in is the spend worth it, right? And what's the value prop we're getting out of it or what's the ROI, right, that we're going to see out of this. And hopefully you can map it back to business goals and business objectives. And if you could do that, I think you're you're aligned with success for for what the board wants to know. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the alignment to the business objectives and is it addressing the risks, which ties back into the previous segment a little bit, right? Is if risks, if the risks are around availability, right? And it's not around free flow of information, then are we spending the right dollars in the right places to enable the business and reduce the risks, which I could almost ask every corporate board out there and be like, well, why are we spending money on this stuff when this stuff matters? Like, I don't. I still don't see alignment yet. I just after the last conversation, I just think we're spending the money on just some of the wrong stuff. Yeah, we're I, spending I would the agree. money on I mean, stuff I, that I, is popular. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Josh. You, we're we're spending the money on stuff that is popular or is in the news, has caught somebody's attention. We're spending the money on stuff that ten years ago we were all talking about. Five years ago we were all talking about. Unfortunately, we're not spending the money on the things 
as we've raised a new generation of CISOs and a new generation of security executives who actually understand what business is, it's going to take another five years before we focus on the things that they go now. Yeah, that'd be really cool if we could do that. You know, we're, we spent 20 minutes just now, or 10 minutes, whatever it was, talking about how risk uh, quantification needs to be continuous and, and dynamic. That won't happen for three to five years. I hope it happens sooner, but I don't see it. It takes time for these things to spin up. Yeah, and, and I think one of the one of the biggest problems we look at is uh, sometimes the things we're spending money are regulatory issues that really are behind the times and aren't really something we should every business area should be spending money on, right? Or as much money as they are. I, I think we're not we're not answering the right questions. And what we talked about, like you said, risk quantification. How do you get there? How do we get there? I, I think, man, I'd love to see it in three to five years, but I think even that's optimistic. Yeah. And that's why the, regu- the the alignment to the regulatory requirements, I think, is the wrong question to answer. Yeah, 100%. Like it, yeah. It, if it is truly about risk and business alignment, those are the only two questions the board needs to have answers to. Like Otherwise, we're, just, we're doing things for the sake of doing things, and they're not actually addressing the real risks of the business or the things I need to focus on. Like This is where the, the whole regulatory compliance thing, just, it just it's such a miss, I think, right now with where businesses are and what actually needs to get done. It's just, it's just that, that miss still. Yeah, agreed. So cybersecurity is a CFO issue. It is <laughs> because they, they, they have the money. I mean, it's, it's well, literally I, that simple. Actually, for years, I've been advocating that if CISOs are not reporting to the CEO, they should report to the CFO. Why? Because if you've got to protect the business as security and you're protecting revenue, do you know who really cares about revenue is the CFO, okay? And if the, you go, look, I need to spend $100,000 to protect $5 million in revenue, the CFO is going to be like, yeah, go ahead and do it. I'll make it in the budget. I, I, I'm the button that makes the budget. I'll put it in the bud. Done. Don't even worry about it. Plan it. You're getting it next quarter. Okay. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's awesome, isn't it? So when you build that rapport, that relationship with the person who has the purse strings, life is good. Yeah, I, I think if you can make that argument and get, get the buy-in, then certainly CFO is one of your best partners, right? Um, and it should be. I mean, too many, I think, CISOs go into this role and don't make alignment to the CFO. And I think that's really important. Uh, the challenge is sometimes that it's seen as misalignment and it's seen as money misspent. And so that's really hard to overcome if that's the case. Um, I think my challenge with this article was in general that, look, I, 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 if you're doing security white, right, you are doing it as a, in, the, in the risk lens. Um, I, I do think that that reporting structure should be the CEO, but it, it means that you have to have the right empowerment and the right alignment and the right lens, that risk lens to be able to function in that way. Um, if you're just assigning this out, whether it's the CIO, the CFO, legal, wherever it is, and it's just to stick it there, that's that's the wrong lens to to put it in from the from the C level, I think. Yeah, but I think the CFO is a very valid conversation because, as we said on the last, previous segment, is look, they own the purse strings. They're the ones that that are going to either fund this stuff or not. In most respects, right? Working across the business, and again, if if this is really an availability issue. It's all about figuring out how to make the business resilient and keep it up and running so that the dollars keep flowing. That sounds a whole heck of a lot like a CFO focus to me. 
Yeah, I, I think it just comes down to what's who's your CFO? <laughs> what's their insight and how do they look at it, right? Um, that That's always been the challenge. I mean, one could make that same argument from a CIO perspective, right? That the CIO should sit under the CFO too then, right? Because it's an availability issue. And that's actually, I've seen that 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 work where that, that's been the case. Um, I, I think it's it's a really valid place to look at it. I think it's just the, the lens of how how the the different parties see themselves and see the people that are reporting to them and that, if that alignment's going to work. It, it can be a very successful place to put it in an organization. Yeah, agreed. So this third article, I even am now thinking, is this even a valid article? Like after the last conversation we just had and, and we walk through this like progression of the CISO role, like do CISOs even have a chance in hell of landing a board seat? Probably not in its existing role or its current kind of incarnation of the role. I'm just curious. Like this was, I put this in here thinking, you know, this would be a good alignment to the the previous discussion based on the topic. And then I sat back and listened to that topic going, wait a minute. Like, I I don't even know if this is a possibility for CISOs. So it is and it isn't. The SEC is mandating cybersecurity expertise on the board. Does that mean that the CISO has to be on the board? Absolutely not. It means that you have to have somebody on the board who understands cybersecurity, at least a broad, in broad strokes. Okay, uh, That's being mandated because they're basically saying that ignorance is no excuse if you have a breach. Uh, I'm, I'm simplifying and bastardizing, but you get the idea. The, uh, uh, so you don't have an excuse when it comes. You have to have somebody who understands cybersecurity on the board. Could they take an executive course on it from you know whatever, and, and that counts? Yeah, absolutely. But what you should have is you should have at least a cybersecurity steering committee where the CISO is a member of the steering committee so that if there's a cybersecurity question, the CISO can be consulted, okay? So can the CISO get on the board? Will they have a seat on the board? Probably not, I'm not going to lie. Will they have influence on the board? Absolutely, they should at a reasonably well-run company. That's my take. Yeah, I would would agree with you, Josh, in the percent, in the perspective of if the question is, is the, is the CISO of your company going to be on your board? And I would probably say I would agree that that wouldn't be correct, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't advocate that necessarily. But I do think that there's a spot for people with background and experience in the industry to be on the board of other companies if they're looking for people who have that. But along with that comes the mandate that you're going to have to have other experience, right? Um, yeah. But to Matt's question on this, like, is this even relevant? I guess it's a question of like, what are you expecting this? What are you expecting the role to be? What are we looking for for this, right? And I, I would say it all comes down to incentivizing people in the right ways for the behavior you're actually expecting to get out of it. And you know, to go back to the availability question, from an IT perspective, if we incentivize only on availability, nothing will ever get patched or fixed because that contradicts availability, right? Anytime we patch or fix or do something to remediate something, it takes the system down and it impacts availability. So in my experience, if you ask your people who are doing maintenance monitoring um, to only look at availability, you'll have very poor response to get things remediated and fixed. If you say also you need quality and security as part of the things you're monitoring against, then I think all of a sudden you see those scores raise up and it becomes a balanced conversation. In the same way, if the SEC is only saying, hey, we just want somebody who's taken a four-hour course, that's all you'll ever get, right? But if, if mm-hmm. shareholders in the SEC actually say, what we're actually looking is for companies to look at risk in the right way, 
And if cyber is your number one risk, you need somebody who has some core experience. If your company is a digitally based company, which most are, then right. I think that's a different conversation and you need to have different experience level on the board. I just don't think companies are looking at it that way, right? Um, they're just looking at it as how do we get, how do we get a, a check the box mentality, which goes back to the compliance question. Right. No, you're right. It goes right back to the compliance question. If all there, <laughs> if all we have to do is just check the box, then I, I have someone with expertise on the board. That's all you're going to get. Check. Right, and Done. then, but that's why the new standards that are out there are being written in a uh, a practical point of view. They're being written to say, you know, you can't, you, you have to have EDR. Yeah, we've got EDR. It's on those five machines. Go away. You know, check the box. Be done. Most of the standards that are being written are being written from a, a not a prescriptive but a but a descriptive point of view now, which is to say you have to be able to protect against ransomware. Used to be you'd have to have an anti-ransomware system. We do. It's on the shelf. Can't you see it? It's in the clear plastic wrap. Okay. Uh, now you have to show that you are protecting your systems against ransomware. I'm using that as an example. And so checking the box becomes much less, much, much less easy, much less just cost of doing business. You actually have to demonstrate these things. And the certification is much harder. And more and more of these standards are coming with certification, not just, yeah, yeah, here's our self-assessment. Have a nice day. So yeah. yes and no. Yes and no. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, the, the, so here's the other side of that coin, right? If we don't tell them what to do, then now we leave it open to interpretation, which leads us right back down a very interesting pathway that got us here in the first place. Now, I'm not a big believer that you have to mandate everything. I'm just saying that if without clarity, it gets very difficult to do this right. And I'm just, yeah. I, I just question whether we're doing the right things with enough clarity to actually make a difference or make an impact here. Agreed. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, this next article is, uh, if you still want to be a CISO, here are some career path insights that you might want to um, account for, or you can just abandon the industry altogether like all the other CISOs that are, are leaving the industry and just saying, hey, it's not worth it. But <laughs> how, many, how many security Look, people I, do you know have a, a hobby that's a handicraft? Whether it's Jack Daniel making guitars or Mike Poor making knives or, you know, uh, other people go shooting, other people go horseback riding, you know, Jim McMurray has his barrel racing horses. Like, how many of us do you're you like, asking, are burned how do out? people keep their sanity? Uh huh. Is that what it gets to? Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the sanity. Um, look, I, I think Career Path Insights, these are all, these are all great, but these apply. I mean, to anything, right? Like these aren't these aren't CISO career paths insights. CISO career paths insights should be much more tailored. Um, yeah, uh, this know, is general leadership insight. Yeah, yeah you, you've got to you've got to find somebody who's on the board to be your partner and you know understands the value of you know appropriate risk decision making. Like that that would be much more tailored to CISO career paths insights than this this very generic information <laughs> all right next i like this one so a lot on mgm and caesar's attack are there any real takeaways we should take from the attack because when i read this article i didn't get any 
Mm -mm. No, I don't think there was much here. I mean, I think only time's going to tell if actually anything changes as a result of any of these attacks. I mean, honestly, we haven't seen much. I mean, there's, there's, a, you know, a large attack. People want to put out learnings about it. And what they see is how's the industry going to need to change. Um, we make some small inroads there over the next three to six months. And then it's the next thing that happens and we've lost interest. I, I just haven't seen and I, I can't think of one where we've seen something we've said, oh, we've, we've just really changed fundamentally and we're on a better path now. It, it doesn't seem to be, doesn't seem I'm, to be the track. I'm going to disagree slightly and, and only in this specific case. And the reason I'm going to disagree slightly is because very clearly everything is connected to everything in the MGM world, right? Otherwise, why would the elevators be connected to the reservation system, be connected to the credit card system? Ransomware should not have been able to, to, to jump segments this easily Okay. And you're like, well, a lot of companies, that, no, 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 no. This was way too fast, way too significant. And cross casino. Why are cross, why are multiple casinos affected? One casino could have been affected. Yeah, totally. Got it. Why are multiple casinos affected? I will tell you that years ago, most casino networks were so flat, you could plug in something in one port in mm -hmm. one casino and talk to another machine directly in the same subnet at another machine 20, you know, all the way down the strip. Okay. I do not know if that is the way with MGM. I do not have any crystal ball or any inside information, but what I will say is it's slightly suspicious that this is the case that it happened this way. To the point where I would say their network is probably pretty damn flat with minimal network segmentation, if any. And, um, <clears throat> that's not good. Yeah, so, so that's not even some... in the right. So that's not even in the insights. Like you just brought out a really interesting insight: micro segmentation. Like we should segment our networks; shouldn't be flat. Instead, this article goes, "Well, it's time to upskill. Upskill what? Like really? I'm going to go down generative AI, and that would have stopped this attack? No. Uh, managing risk, and then all the risks are related to things like security awareness and training, and things like that's not real risk management to me. That's just that, yeah, that's not, like that's. The tip of the iceberg, You're like not even so scratching much, the surface, right? <laughs> there's so much more to risk management that's not even covered. And then the last one, bring security to everyone. Like, haven't we tried this for how long? This is why security awareness training and phishing simulation has not moved the needle Fails. on the human side. It just has not. It has failed miserably. Look at the last 16 DBIRs. We haven't moved the needle. Let me ask a question. This is you know what stops ransomware in its tracks is network segmentation, proper authentication and authorization barriers, and backing your shit up. Okay, and testing your restores. Oh my god! Oh my god! My grandpa talked about you know grandfather, father, son backup tape backup routines. You know what works? Grandfather, father, son, or I don't care if you do grandmother. Yeah, but people mother, don't do that daughter. anymore because it's all in the cloud, so we don't have to do that anymore because the cloud takes. Except care the cloud us. does not mean hyper <laughs> does not mean hyper secure or hyper backed up. It means hyper available. I but if you I agree with you. I agree with you, but it's but it's like how many organizations where it's just not even done. People don't even practice DR recovery plans anymore to see if they can get backups. The uh, Gauss on Discord is going good operational hygiene. Oh my God! Keep your shit clean, people. Learn how to back <laughs> stuff up and restore your backups. Do your stuff that that that, that, that even on somebody else's computer cloud. Okay, it's still clean. It's still done properly. You know, there's a sense of pride in, in the old days. And uh, you know, ah, get off my lawn, son, whatever. Get out of, what's that cloud up there? 
in the old days, you, you, you tucked your tapes away every week or, your, or every month or every day or every whatever, and you knew that could, and you tested every frigging month. I don't care what, come hell or high water, the end of the month came, you tested that you could restore server X, okay, or server Y, or server Z, and you rotated, okay? Over the course of a year or two, I could test every single goddamn server and every single goddamn data repository and know that I had a, ba a solid backup that was restorable and usable in case of an emergency. Why do we not do that anymore? Cloud does not do that for you unless you no. have purchased the additional services necessary to make that happen. Yep. Rant over. We moved Sorry. to the cloud. Magic happened. And we wonder why. We had the previous segment, how digital transformation pros risk management, because we just stopped doing the, like the fundamentals. <laughs> we just stopped it. Fundamentals? Matt, are you stuck on these fundamentals again? Man, you talk about fundamentals like every goddamn show. Jesus Christ, man. Just do the fundamentals and your security will be okay? Oh my God, who would have ever thought of that? All of the hosts on every show on Security Weekly for, I don't know, the last 20 years? Yeah. I just, you just don't need it. I mean, if you move to the cloud, fundamentals, they go away. You don't need to fundamentally do anything. Ben, I'm going right. to reach through trust. the screen and I'm going to smack you no upside the fucking head. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> It's like magic. All right, one last article: uh, the Mace Act. It, I'm curious, Josh. Did you have you seen? Have you dug into this yet? I, no, I mean, I've I think not. it's a good move in order to move hiring practices in the federal government and not have so heavy of education. I mean, I wish Jason would have been on this one because we've talked about this a ton on this show. It looks like the federal government's going to make some moves to loosen up the requirements around education and other things to get the right skill sets into the government. I was just curious whether you've, you've had an opportunity to dig into this one. I haven't, but you know, education is interesting. I was actually talking with my wife. She's fascinated by this issue. Uh, you know, after World War II, we actually put engineering education into our schools. You know, when you learn calculus and trigonometry and everything else, you're learning engineering math. They're, they're, they've been changing that slightly in certain schools to be practical math. And they've been changing it at certain other schools to be data analytics math. So it's, it's fascinating that what we think of as reading, writing, arithmetic, uh, when you start talking education and stuff, and I realize this is a little basic, but bear with me for a second. <clears throat> the, the viewpoint was, let's teach these kids how to manufacture things. Because remember, World War II was all about manufacturing. Could you manufacture a new battleship, a new destroyer, a new tank, a new rifle, whatever? So that was the focus. Now, when you focus on certain types of math, you ignore other types of math, and you only get back into them at very high levels of education. When we focus on pen testing in security, how many people go, I want to be a pen tester, not I want to be a sock analyst, you know? When, and I'm not saying that's desirable. It can be for some people. But uh, when you focus on a certain way, you're, you're ignoring the rest. But, sorry, rant over again. No, but I, 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 we tend to agree, right? I mean, we've talked about this. Like, you don't necessarily need a bachelor's of science degree oh, of to, not. to have skill sets in, in the cybersecurity space, right? But then every job description requires 10 plus years of experience and a BS. And it looks like in the federal government, that's not going to be the case. Like, this act is supposed to remove some of that and look at the skill sets, not necessarily the education, in order to fulfill these jobs. And I think this is a good step forward for the industry to get their arms around some of these issues that are also affecting corporate America. So I think that's why that I in government and in corporate America, we should be apprenticing people. 
to the the branch that they want to go into because I will tell you that uh, and pay them bupkis wages don't get me wrong and I'm and I'm sorry if you don't like this but if you're an apprentice and I'm teaching you and training you and taking my time to teach you and train you then I'm going to teach you the right way to do things and I'm going to teach you the the proper way to do things and then you're going to go to school once you figure out oh wow I really love this shit and I love this aspect of it go to school for that okay but uh, you get the fundamental skills that I need you to have at this company in this in, in, in system. And when you get finished with school, you'll come back, you get a job here, no problem. Why yep. are fundamental skills only seen to be gotten in college? I've, I've taught college. And most of the time when I teach college, you know, I get to teach what I want to teach, which is what I think is the, the proper way to teach it uh, based on, you know, based on science and based on what I, a little bit of my beliefs, I'm not going to lie. But when I teach, some colleges teach by PowerPoint and you get death by PowerPoint to learn how to do computer science. That's not going to teach you computer science, man. It's not. Nope. So the way I learned was to, you, you wanted to, I had to build an assembler. I, I, that's, I, that was one of the first courses in my master's program, build an assembler. Like you got to build it. You can't just PowerPoint your way through understanding what, a, what, what an assembler does until you actually build it. Yeah, there's a practicality Dude, I, of the experience that you need. I taught a course yeah. at a college and I wish I hadn't accepted it. I, they, they, they begged. I had friends there. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll teach it for you. And I, it was a, you know, you know, security plus the CompTIA security plus exam. I mean, it's a yeah. basic course. It was a prep course for that. And it was, I'm like, all right, it's basic stuff. It's not a big deal. They, they said, we've got all the materials. You just, and I stepped into the class and I, the materials were like 500 slides of PowerPoint. And I was like, this is ridiculous. So I went through the PowerPoints because th that's part of my contract at the time. That's fine. But I also made them learn how to do PGP and how to uh, understand asymmetric encryption. And they had to create uh, an email uh, with, uh, they had to create keys and they had to register an email and, you know, the whole nine yards. And by the end of it, I'm like, and this is the core of security for most of the internet is asymmetric encryption, which you have just learned how to do and have practically used it. I got calls 10 years later saying thank you because that was the core of my career. That wasn't in the curriculum at all. That was extra. Fabulous. Josh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for filling in today. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Thank you everyone for watching and listening. We'll see you next week on Business Security Report.